Okay? I'm going to turn it over to Scott and Catherine. Well, good morning to everyone. <clears throat> we are certainly blessed to be here. Let's go ahead and sit. Okay. Um, to have the opportunity to come and to, uh, to share our story. I absolutely love um, this idea, uh, this idea of sharing what God has done uh, in our lives. In a big church like Otter Creek has become, there aren't, enough time, there, there aren't enough opportunities, there isn't enough time to feel like you're really getting to know everyone. And we feel like you all have shared in a, um, a, a vital part of our story over the past few years. Um, and we are so grateful for the opportunity to, to broaden your understanding of what God has done in our life because the story didn't start with a diagnosis. Um, the story started way before that, um, and God has consistently been revealing himself to us, uh, and we could take the story way back to our, uh, our individual walks of faith and what God has taught us, uh, but this is about the story that he has done in our lives since uh, we, we came together. And uh, it's just a real blessing to be able to do that. Now, one of the things that you have to recognize when you're asked um, to come and present, first, you have to know the audience. And I, and I know because of Catherine's involvement on Tuesday mornings that um, this is going to be more her show than my show. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up, I'm warming you guys up. Um, I'm going to introduce one of the themes, and there will be a, a number of different themes that we think, you know, as you look back, and that's been one of the beauties of, of having this opportunity, is that we've been able to look back and to think about what has God been doing, how has he been revealing himself, how has he been um, encouraging and strengthening us along the way. Um, and so uh, I wanted to start off with something that you may not know. Uh, as, uh, as we were writing our, our wedding vows, and as we were thinking about what we wanted our wedding um, ceremony to be about, we had lots of friends uh, who didn't know the Lord, who weren't a part of like a church family that we were a part of that were going to be there. Uh, and so one of the things that we were very intentional about was trying to share the gospel. Um, and we, we had uh, Ephesians 3, 14, 21, not just engraved on our wedding rings, uh, but it was a prayer that we spoke over the assembly uh, at the church where we were married. And so uh, I thought it'd be a great way for us to start our prayer with you guys today is to read that passage. And I'll say just a, a, another quick, quick word, and then I'll let Catherine <laughs> start to lead. Um, so pray with me, if you will. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
And the last two verses in particular, in the, in the, in the version that we used on that day, uh, and one that you may be more familiar with, it says, He who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine, that became a theme for us. As we were looking at a life together, one of the reasons that we had chosen one another is that we believed that together we could be more and do more for his glory than we could as single individuals. Um, and so it was with eager anticipation and excitement we looked to see, you know, so how, what is that going to look like? Because whatever we could imagine or whatever we could hope, he can do more. Um, and so exceedingly abundantly, that is going to be one of our, our themes for today, what God can do even when those chapters are not what you may have anticipated. Yeah. It's such a privilege to, to come before you. Um, please tell me if my voice is too soft. I have a soft voice. So I'll try to speak up. Um, so I was blessed with parents who believe in prayer and believe that a relationship with the Lord is is something that's active and that he's involved in every detail of your life and was taught since as long as a young child to pray specifically and pray with faith that it's that he's listening and he strengthened my faith faith as a child through little things i can tell you lots of little examples of how he strengthened my faith and how he developed this relationship with me and i'm so grateful um i'm going to start my story with meeting scott being single, wondering who I'm going to marry. I never really dated. Scott was my first boyfriend. Um, my first real date was with Scott. My, my best friend was at law school with him, and she set us up. And he um, started the date asking me a question. He said, do you want to go to Houston's, or do you want to go on an adventure? Because I know where Houston's is. We can go. This was in Malibu, California. And I said, let's go on the adventure. And that was because we had, like, this Nashville connection. She had attended Vanderbilt. I had, you know, gone to Lipscomb, and so I knew she knew Houston's, and so here's the safe. Uh, you know, we know that it's going to be good, or we can just see what happens. Yeah. So I chose the adventure, and it ended up being just the most beautiful date. We were in the Malibu Mountains, and there was this rose garden we drove up to, and the restaurant had a seat opening. They had a cancellation. I mean, just everything was perfect. And I knew that this was the start of something really special. Um, but one of the things that uh, I was encouraged to do as a child was to pray for my future spouse. And I, my biggest prayer was to find a man who loved God first and then who would love me. And that's who Scott is. He, he's a man of God. He loves the Lord. And I'm so grateful. And I believe it's an answer to prayer. I mean, he is an answer to prayer. And um, one of the themes that I want to just emphasize today is prayer, prayer is, um, works <laughs> and it brings you closer to the Lord. And the Lord is waiting for that relationship with you. Um, and he's been my, the Lord has been my best friend since I was 13. And he has been faithful, faithful to um, answer prayers. Not always the way I want them to be answered. But um, he has used these prayers and this relationship with him to grow me and to bring me closer to him. And I'm so grateful. Um, so one of the things I'm really grateful for is that Scott and I, talked about everything before we got married. We were older, and so um, infertility was one of the subjects we talked about. And I had already lost an ovary before we got married, and um, he had some congenital issues, so we knew that bearing children might be a problem. So we had the talk before we got married, and that's one piece of advice I give a lot of single people, is talk about what you're going to do if, you get infer if you're infertile before you get married, because it could be a deal breaker afterwards. <laughs> 
So, but we were on the same page and we decided if we couldn't have children, we would go right to adoption. Well, sure enough, a year after we got married, I went into early menopause at 29. Um, I lost my other ovary and started having hot flashes. And poor Scott. <laughs> so, um, I was a little crazy until I got on some hormones and then everything. But it was really great to have just not to have to go through the whole process of IVF and all. We had already made our decision. We were just going to go straight to adoption. And my best friend who introduced us happened to be going into adoption law. So we were her first clients. So she introduced me to my husband and she helped me get children. So she's a good friend. Relationship broker. Yes. Now is on her card. Yes. So again, prayer was a huge part of our life at this point. Infertility is very painful. Um, but adoption was a great way to focus our angst. And we were very lucky, very fortunate, that our adoption process went pretty quickly. Um, but it was also just huge answers to prayers, miracle after miracle. We did go through a lot of, we had two or three failed adoptions. That's a whole other story. Um, but Abigail was our, was our first child, and she came, she's a miracle child. I mean, we, we had a failed adoption the week before. We were supposed to have a boy, and the mother changed her mind. And um, Abigail's adoption, we, we were called on a Monday. The birth mother's name was Faith. Scott said, this is it. This is the one. She was supposed to be delivering in two weeks. She delivered two days later. Um, we got on a plane. It was just a miracle. Um, can I, can I yeah. interject something there? So just in that whole process, you know, we, we had been uh, in a relationship with the birth mother who was going to, to give birth in Salt Lake or Reno. It was, it was, it was somewhere where we didn't have any connections. Um, and, but we had had an established relationship for a month and a half, two months, where we were helping uh, with, with finances for, for health and for doctor visits and that sort of thing. Um, but we were, uh, it was very hard. We were very grateful that she, she cut us off before we made the trip to the hospital and saw the child. And, but but it, was very, it was devastating, right? Because we were gearing up and thinking about it's a, it's a month away. Um, and so when Jill, that's our friend who introduced us and was our adoption attorney, called, we were very, you know, very protective. Very much like, uh, I'm not sure, but she kept saying, and, and this was what, and, and I think that it's good advice. When something like this happens, a lot of people from our church family in Mission Viejo were telling us, you know, just have faith. This child wasn't the right one for your family. God sees and he knows. Just have faith. And so Jill, who um, is a believer, and <laughs> a strong believer, when she called, kept saying, just pray, you know, pray for faith, pray for faith. And I finally stopped her and I said, Jill, why do you keep saying saying that? You know, like people at church are telling us to have faith. Why? Oh, oh, that's the birth mother's name. And it was in that moment, like, it really was. It really was because I was, yeah, sure, we'll wait and see how this works out because we are, we're used to, to rejection. We're, I think God is teaching us patience and like, Jill, this is too quick. You know, you are, you're trying, don't try to slap a Band-Aid on it with another hopeful thing that's going to just be disappointing. But when she, when, when she said that, there was something like, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but like a seed of truth um, that just said, this is the one. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of interesting things that happened, but one of the things Catherine didn't say was like in our walk, we were trying, because we were 
older and wiser. <coughs> we had more of a plan for what we wanted our life to look like, okay? So we are older, but we are going to try to, um, you know, honor honor the fact that we want to enjoy being young married for as long as we can. We're going to go two years before we start thinking. Now, we'll have a five-year plan about where we're going to be, and we've been very intentional about one of the things that had attracted us to each other uh, was a love for missions. I had, uh, after I graduated from Lipscomb, gone to the former former Soviet Union for, for a couple of years and had lived and worked there as a missionary. Catherine's grandmother <coughs> had a life of missions that's just an amazing story all its own. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that Jill wanted us to meet, uh, was because we had this kind of singular passion. And so our thought was, <clears throat> we're going to retire all of, our, all of our graduate school debt. We're going to be available. In five years, um, we can be open to any call that might be out there. And so in that plan, we'll have two years of, you know, of us just enjoying being young marrieds. And then we'll start thinking about children. Uh, well, all of that, of course, is preempted by... Catherine's loss of the second ovary, um, and and when we were talking, like adoption had always been a part of our plan. We thought we'd be supplementing uh, our family, uh, but uh, you know some of my best friends had been adopted. Catherine's oldest brother had been adopted, and so we knew that that was going to be a part of our story. God just mercifully allowed us to see it's going to be like the bulk of that, <laughs> of, of that, like the entirety of our child raising would come through adopted children, uh, and so. Here we are, we've gone through this, Jill has said, oh, that's the birth mother's name is Faith, and I'm like, I think this is going to happen. Well, it's literally like the next morning, I'm getting ready to go to school, Catherine's getting ready to go to work, and um, Jill calls us and says, I, I think you might want to wait on going to work this morning. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, she said, well, I've been trying to get in touch with Faith, and her sister said she's gone to the hospital in labor. Um, so I'm going to call and try to verify some things. And so it became a whirlwind of let's get tickets. Um, and whereas this other child had been um, being born in a state that we didn't have any background in, um, this birth mother was outside of Chicago where Catherine's brother and sister both lived. And so um, there was just a comfort in being able to be met at the airport and sister giving us her car so that we could drive to the hospital, like all of those little kinds of details. But something that was more, um, even when I think about it now, like I get weak in the knees when I think about how specifically God is aware and intimately involved in the details of our lives. Mm -hmm. I was on the airplane and I was... Um, you know, just thinking about his goodness. And I realized our plan, I hadn't thought about our two-year plan for a really long time because, you know, uh, in, within the first year we had lost the, the, the idea that we might be able to have children of our own. And as I did the math, we were married on August the 4th. Abby was born May 5th. And if you do the math, it's two years, nine months, and a day after our after our anniversary, after our wedding date. Um, and so it was as if God was saying, two years, you're going to start trying, you've got one nine months later to the day. Um, and it just, to me, it was like, whatever happens, <laughs> I can be sure that God is in this, um, that we were intended, even if, and that's part of adoption in the adoption story, you may be rejected. Mm -hmm. um, you may um, at some point deal with a child who says, you're not my real parents and I'm going to find my birth family. Um, and I said, you know, that's one of the things that you have to, going into it, be ready for. Um, I said, 
this is a, this is a gift from him, and, and whatever happens in the future, that can't be taken away. Right. And, and just knowing Scott's confidence really helps calm me down. I was a nervous wreck, obviously, you know, because the birth mother can change her mind at any time. Um, but that's a whole nother our story. Um, the one thing that really comforted and helped me, and I don't know why I started doing this if someone suggested it, but in the adoption process, I would start praying for the child. And I would pray that the Lord would make it clear where this child needed to be raised. And sometimes children need to be raised by their biological mother. And so the rejections that we got, the failed adoptions, it was a comfort for me to know, okay, that child needed his birth mom. It needed that you know, and it, it helped to focus on the baby, not the mother, and not my need to be a mother. And that was, that was helpful to get out of myself. And so when we learned that Faith's name was Faith, but she has no faith, she has no relationship with the Lord, I started praying that she would, and that, that her name was significant, that through this adoption she would become a Christian. And so that has been after we got Abby, and um, I, I did start praying for, I pray for faith often that she would know the Lord. And so that was, that prayer, she did not want an open adoption with us at all. But a very wise nurse convinced her to meet us in the hospital. And that was a very significant thing because when I met her, I said, you are always part of our family. And when you are ready, we are ready to be part of your family. And we are always open. And you're the only, you're the one I want to talk to about my daughter more than anyone else. And she remembered that. And that opened the door for, for a relationship. Because I, I was praying that we would have a relationship with her so that she would have, she would meet the Lord. So we had our Abby um, just wonderful, wonderful time with our baby, um, just enjoying being married, enjoying having a child. Everything was just going really well. And like Scott said, we had this burden to do missions. And um, five years was coming up, and we decided to um, do embryo adoption. Have you heard of that? We went to a pro-life conference, and they were talking about these frozen embryos. People do IVF, and they have, they make... Um, uh, embryos. And, and if you believe life begins at conception, these are little lives that are in the freezer. And we felt convicted. I have a uterus. We could adopt these embryos, give them a chance. And Scott really wanted the pregnancy experience. I was like, don't need to be pregnant. But he thought, <laughs> he thought that might be kind of fun. And then, you know. <laughs> that sounds really good. No, it was, it was interesting because the way it's presenting now, it seems like it was my push, but really um, it was Catherine had, like, there was that conference, but then there were different radio programs where it just kept, like, we feel that God sometimes puts something there and continues through unexpected, you know, means to keep bringing it up. So it was something that I was open for. Right. Um, and I... I didn't have the need for Catherine to be pregnant. Um, no, I just kind of a joke. He thought it would be special to have the right. For you, I felt yeah. I felt that there was a loss yeah. that that had been experienced. That um, this may be God giving us right. an opportunity that we thought was lost. Yeah, and I had a good friend who did this, and she bore two beautiful boys, and she got to breastfeed her adopted. So these are adopted children that you carry in your womb, and you can breastfeed them, and you have control over their womb environment. And it's a wonderful way to give these embryos a chance to, to live. And we just, you can get these donated. You don't have to go through adoption to get an embryo. But we decided it's kind of, we wanted the legal protection of having an adoption. So we went through the whole adoption process to get these embryos. We did the home study. We did the whole thing. And that's expensive. So we went through that whole process. 
adopted seven embryos, three from mm -hmm. one family, four from another, um, and we did the shots and the whole weird IVF experience. It wasn't IVF, but it's um, the same. It, it just felt gross. I don't know if you've ever been in an infertility clinic, but it's just you feel like you're playing God a little bit. It's just, but we felt like we we felt like this was a calling. We want to give these embryos a chance to live, but it didn't work out. They didn't make it. They didn't make it inside of me, which was devastating. But I just, we felt like we did what we were called to do. We gave these seven little lives a chance, and they didn't make it. So, but we had this home study, and it's, you know, it expires in two years. We spent a lot of money. So, again, I start telling my friends, please pray. I got the prayer chain out. We decided to go into full-time ministry. I didn't feel like we could ask our supporters to pay for our adoption. So I wanted to get this done. Let's get this adoption out of the way before we start full-time ministry. So I had all my friends praying, and my friend Jill had since had children of her own, so she wasn't practicing law, but she still had access to all the lawyerly resources. And there was this listserv for lawyers for children who are hard to place, babies that they can't find birth homes or adoption for. And there was this little baby in Florida who had been born she, her birth mom was really picky and she couldn't find an adoption family. The adoption costs were going up and up and up and they were having a really hard time finding a match. This birth mother was African American. No, she's African. She's from Kenya. She was here as a student. She wanted an African American family who were believing Christians, who are not just said they're Christians, that are living their life. And Jill said, you should, you should send in your profile. The only thing you're not is African-American, but everything else is a perfect match. <laughs> I said, well, why not? Let's just do it. Okay, and can I, can I just interject yeah. a little here? Jill, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of the, uh, I think in, in um, I'm losing the name of the musical right now, uh, Yenta from uh, Matchmaker. Sometimes has a little bit of a forceful... She's and this, this was not... <laughs> this was... This was not the first child that she had brought to our attention that you guys should. And one of the things that was hard for me was that, Jill, I know that you have your best intentions hat on, but at this time, profiles, you're putting together a booklet and you're sending it out, um, and then you're either being you know, questioned further or rejected. And so there was a real emotional investment every time that this happened, and it, and it didn't work. And there had been a number of those that had happened. And so Catherine went back a lot further with Jill than I did. We just were law school colleagues, and I, and I, I loved her, but I didn't have that depth of relationship. And there was a little bit of resentment that I was having that you keep doing this to us, and you don't realize. And it was almost Catherine said, okay, we'll just do it. For me, it was almost like, let us show you again what this feels like. Yeah, we'll go through this because you're pushing it, but clearly, we're not what she has in mind, right? Um, but, but, okay, we'll do it. Right. Um, and so one of the pieces that you have to kind of recognize, because it's, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, when we had started the adoption pro um, process and our original profile and letters, attorneys are very, very careful about saying, you don't want to appear too religious. Right. You don't want the birth mother to feel judged. You don't know what their experiences have been. Even Christian attorneys would say you want to be kind of neutral. Well, when we had started the adoption process and we had adopted the embryos, I'm a teacher. She's a nurse, very caring, nurturing um, professions. Now we're working at a camp for foster and abused kids. And there might be someone that that 
I think we're, get, we're anticipating a relationship down the road. We didn't want someone to feel deceived. Like, I thought you were a nurse and a, and a, and a, and a, and a teacher. Um, how did this happen? How did my child end up being around all of these at-risk, dangerous kids? Um, and so we rewrote... Um, and we had, we'd had to get another, since Jill wasn't practicing, adoption attorney. Um, and we had done another thing that we weren't supposed to do. Like we, so we were very forthright about our, our, our faith and what we were doing. Um, and then also, excuse me, we put our contact information um, in there, which you're never supposed to do as well. So, again, going against like what we're supposed to do, um, it ends up being a part of the story. So right. I'm going to let you get back into it. So we... we- we gave our profile up, and I had no expectation that she would pick us because we can't change the color We're gonna of our skin. We're going to prove Jill wrong. Right. right. Okay. We're not going to be time. picked. We're not going to be picked. We're white. So, but I started Very. praying for the baby because that's what I do. When I get a contact, I start praying for this baby. And I'm thinking, oh, there's this beautiful baby in a foster home needing parents and their parents needing a baby. And just, Lord, just give Yvonne is the name of their birth mother. Please give Yvonne wisdom. And, you know, I just was praying for her, and I was praying for the baby with absolutely no expectations. Well, we lived in Orange County. We were starting to, we signed on with full-time ministry at this camp for foster kids. We had a Disney pass, and it was going to be expired. So we would go to Disney when we could with our taking little. Taking Abby. Taking yeah. Abby. So we were in the Disneyland Three. parking lot trying to find a parking space, right? The phone rings, and Scott picks it up, and I hear one side of the conversation. And I hear, yes, yes, of course, yes, okay, thanks. And he hangs up. I was like, what was that? And he says, I think that was Yvonne, the birth mom. She asked me if we could love a child of a different color. She asked me how old, I forget, some, just some questions. And I said, that was Yvonne? Give me the phone. And I called her back. And I just said, you know, listen, I just want you to know, I know you're not going to pick us, but I want you to know I've been praying for you. And I'm praying that the Lord will give you wisdom where this baby should be. And I've been praying for your baby. And I just want you to know we, we, we love you. And so, I wasn't trying to manipulate because I really didn't think she would pick us. Yeah, so let me just, from, from my side, I'm hearing extremely thick accent, trying to, you know, a beautiful uh, Kenyan English accent, um, trying, like, am I to understand that you could love a child who doesn't look like you, yeah. um, and that, that um, Jesus is the Lord of your lives, and like very, very intentional um, uh, questions, and she said, okay, thank you very much, and hangs up, and I, you know, it was kind of like another out-of-body out of experience, like, what just happened? And Catherine's like, who was that? And she did, she took the phone and called back, and so we find, I found a parking space, and she's talking, I'm getting the stroller out, and Abby out, and I, again, have that, this child is ours. Yeah. There is no, as I hear Catherine and the love that she has and the way that she's ministering to this mother in a very painful situation. I'm like, she's going to pick us. Like, <laughs> Catherine doesn't think that. I'm like, she's picking us. Um, and so. So then we had to go to this, this camp. We had the camp staff meeting up in the mountains, Timbuktu Mountains. No reception, no cell reception. Three days. And um, we get down the mountain after this retreat, and there, my phone is blowing up. There's like 70 messages. It's not 70, maybe 15 <laughs> messages. And I'm listening. I'm listening, and it's Jill. Catherine, call me back. Catherine, you've got to make a decision. Yvonne is choosing you. 
will you please call? And finally, you know, we call her back and we have to make this decision. She has chosen us as her, as her first pick, but we need to make a decision. And it's going to cost a lot of money. Yes, this, there was an agency involved from Florida, which th that was a big part of the their problem. Business. It was their business, and they wanted to make a profit. It was a for-profit um, uh, situation. And because they had had to place the child, the clock was ticking. She was approaching a month old, and it's hard to be a newborn after a certain point in people's minds. And so they're paying for someone to, to as a, like a surrogate parent, um, during, I forget what the term was, like, um, a foster parent. like a foster parent, they're having to pay that person because they're responsible for the child. It's not the state that's responsible for the child. And so each day that passes... Cha-ching, cha-ching. Yes. Um, so that was, we were, I mean, we were full-time ministry. We didn't have the money. Jill had raised $7,000 in three days for us and had talked them down, their price down. Anyway, worked out. Yeah. <laughs> we got on the plane. Welcome, we got, Josie. Yes. Got on the plane. Josie's a month old by now. We go to the store and buy a little black baby doll, give it to Josie so she's not completely, Abby. Uh, to Abby, so she's not completely shocked by her sister. And um, we go to this office building and they bring out little Josie. And she's a month old in a day and she's just the most precious little bundle, um, strong. She was strong. Like, Scott had to fight with yeah. her to get her in the... I have big hands and strength uh, in my upper body. And she fought going into the car. Yeah. Um, and you just think, what... What is you know what has her world been like yeah. up until this point? And like I really had a hard time getting the her hands apart and being able to get the. Yeah. Uh, she had a hard time, but we bonded and um, we got to meet Yvonne, birth mom, just lovely, beautiful woman, um, and have a relationship with her. So just so grateful. I thought, okay, my family's complete. I've got my little girl, and you know we're going to start this ministry and we do them and everything was just wonderful. And we did the ministry, and then about three years, two years into the ministry, we decided it wasn't a good match. Um, so we retired, we resigned from the ministry, and we, Scott was, ha was halfway through the school year, so Scott took up some subbing jobs, and I was still working at Minute Clinic as a nurse practitioner, and so I took, when he wouldn't work, I would work. It was great. It was a wonderful little family situation. We did not have insurance because we had resigned. I had, and yeah, we were not with the camp, and I had taken a leave of absence from teaching, and I had to take a second year because of the way the camp cycle right. moved and when, you know, staffing is decided in the in the early part of the year. Um, and so I, we had to take the second one because I felt like we needed to see the whole cycle to know, is this a ministry that we, you know, that, that is for us. So anyway, we both had full-time job, uh, part-time jobs, no insurance. Um... It was March, and we got a phone call, and it was Jill, and she said, you need to sit down. I said, okay. She said, Faith is called. She's due in two weeks, and she wants to place with you. Are you up for it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> we had no right to adopt. Adoption cost $20,000. We had no money. We had nothing. So, but of course, this is our answer to prayer. I've been praying for faith. I've been praying for a relationship with faith. This will open up a relationship with her. We will go and we'll get to see her. She wants us to have, she wants to place with us. This is God's, this is an answer to prayer. This is, we're going to do this. So we did. And in the history of the world of adoptions, I don't think anyone has had a home study done in 24 hours. I mean, we literally <laughs> had a home study done. They knew done. us well by this time. Yeah, our, <laughs> our, okay, get this. Our social worker's name is Victory. 
And she decided, this baby is yours. She was just like me. She's like, this is God's answer prayer. So she got to town and worked her little head off. And we got that home study done. I don't know how we did that. Because there's a lot of paperwork. But you know, we thought about, we called it the paper pregnancy the first yeah. time through. Like it took months and you're writing, you're trying to figure things out. By the end, it's just like, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were called. The cylinders. phone call came on Wednesday morning. We were on a plane Sunday. Because... We were supposed to have two weeks before, right. um, and it was like the next day. We we're like, Faith, Faith once goes it's set, quick. She goes, she's ready. So we um, got on the plane and we got to stay this time with my the first, with Abby. We stayed with my sister in her downtown Chicago apartment. This time we stayed with my brother in Skokie, in a home, and we had to wait a week and a half for Becca to be born. But we got to there anyway. Becca opened up a relationship for us to have with Faith. We got to talk with Faith in the hotel, in the hospital room. She asked me to be there for the birth. I got to cut the cord. Um, so that was what I was looking for yeah. with IVF. I wanted that, that experience. experience. So we got that. And we got to bond with Becca right away. And we got to have a relationship with Faith. And it, was, it has become a really beautiful relationship. She got to meet Abby at that point, and she wanted to. She, just, she learned that a closed adoption was not ideal, and it was very painful, and it's easier to know what's going on. And that's the one thing we've learned, too, in adoption, that there is no fear in love. We do not need to fear this relationship with the birth mother. It's a mutual, we both want what's best for the child. And it's been beautiful to have this relationship with her. We have a relationship with her over email, and we send pictures. And um, since my diagnosis, uh, we've gotten even closer. Um, so that has been a beautiful answer to prayer. She still doesn't know the Lord, but I'm trusting that it, this, this is a process. Her son, she's raising four boys. These are full, two half-siblings. No, she's got four, yeah. So Abby and Becca have three full biological siblings and that she's raising. And they are full biological. So someday we want them all to meet each other. But um, her oldest, well, her second son, is very smart and very athletic, and he got a full-ride scholarship to a Catholic high school. So she said, this faith thing is new to us. So I'm really praying that her son meets someone at this school who knows Jesus, who will bring him along, and then he will lead the family. So we don't know what God's going to do, but that's our, when we pray. So Becca is Abby's full biological sister, and we learned that when we were there, and um, so grateful for that. So Abby and Becca have this bond they don't like each other now, but they have each other, and hopefully someday they'll be friends. So, can I? Can I yeah, we have to hurry. I just wanted um, to interject one thing that um, almost, almost as immediately as I was like, yes, that this child is supposed to be ours. There was a bit of like a not a sinking feeling, but something that we had been very aware of. And a lot, um, if you haven't met yet, Kamisha is Catherine's like <laughs> sister from California, uh, who she met at this camp that we ended up going and, and uh, trying to do ministry at. Um, because of that relationship, we were very aware that Josie was going to feel like one of these things is not like the other um, in, our, in our family. And as when I realized, oh, Abby's going to have a half-sister. They're probably going to look alike. Little did I know they were going to be almost identical copies of one another. Um, we, I know, we're not done. Yeah, well, that that's what the, I started praying. That was praying. the piece. Well, okay, so me. I look at our, my three children. I've got Abby and Becca and then Josie in the middle, who has beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful eggplant skin. I mean, dark, dark. And I said, we're not done because she needs a match. 
She has, her sisters have a match. She needs a match. So I'm thinking, we'll adopt some other child. Internationally somewhere. Yeah. So knows? I start praying. The minute we get Becca, I start praying for Josie's sibling. A sibling for Josie. Little did I know that that prayer would be answered in two months. Two months after we adopted Becca, I get a phone call. Sit down. Well. Yvonne is pregnant and wants a place with you. So the Lord answered that prayer very quickly, and not only with a match, but a biological match. And I'm just going to say, Catherine's giving the short version because this agency in Florida is trying to get into the middle of the process, and has basically told Yvonne, we can't do it. They, they lied they to the Yvonne. Money. They told Yvonne that we didn't want to adopt this child, but we did. We wanted, this was the answer to prayer. Anyway, long story short, we get in touch with Yvonne. She decides to place with us. So four months to four months after we adopted Becca, we're in New York City, in the middle of New York City, with a newborn and a three-year-old and a five-year-old. No, no. Trying to, you know, getting getting Joe. Um, a year and a half year old. Yeah, test. Year and yeah. Half, so we, so God, and we had no right to do this. We had no money. We had, no, I mean, but God provided. And and people have told us, you know, they're the Lord's children. He he has the finances. You yeah, don't have does. to worry about it. And and we look it's back. True. I, neither one of us have full time jobs. And I looked and I said, there was no way that we could have done it if we had those responsibilities yeah. of a full-time job. And so he is in the timing. We were free um, uh, to, to, to yeah. go and to do that. And it just... It all worked more. out anyway. I Like I said, I could talk for hours about how God answered specific prayers to open the door for our family to be together. But, I mean, it just shows you God cares. He's in the details. He, he knit our family together. Any doubts that I have, and I have a lot of doubts, especially being a white mom of these two beautiful black children, I remember how faithful he was to put us, our family together and how Yvonne chose us and God chose us and these kids are in the right place. And so when I got diagnosed with stage 4 appendix cancer three and a half years ago, I felt like the Lord, I couldn't understand this chapter. I was like, What? All that you've done to put our family together, why? How could they lose another mother? I just, I didn't understand it, but I, I can stand on the faithfulness of God. He's answered so many prayers in our family, so specifically, that I know he's got this. He has got this, and I've survived a lot longer than I should. Mm -hmm. And the story's not over, and his, the, he is writing their story. He has given them already a beautiful story. Um, it's not over. We have a lot of struggles. Um, our kids have a lot of issues. We have issues. Um, but he is faithful. And my prayer for my children is that this, the, the, the example of, of answered prayer in our life will, um, will be with them and they will have that same relationship with the Lord. Um, he is so faithful that I can trust him in my cancer journey. It's helped me. The adoption journey has helped me prepare me for cancer. And I, I trust him. I trust him with everything. Um, and I know, thankfully, this church has been such a comfort to us. Because I know that when I go, they're not going to be alone. They have this whole community. Um, you all have been so faithful um, to be there for us. That I can, I, and I know my husband, how faithful he's been and how strong he's been. They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And he's going to provide the mothers that they need and the, um, the aunties that they need. Um, 
And it's so special to have Kamisha here. She just happened to be here this weekend. She's, I remember when she was 14, um, she spent the night, and we've been close. She was one of my campers when I was a teenager at this camp that we worked at. And um, we just bonded. And she's my sister. I consider her as close as a sister. And I remember her telling me one night when we were falling asleep, she said, Catherine, would you, and this was before I knew I was infertile. I mean, I was, a, I was like 17. She said, would you think about adopting? She says, there's so many kids who need homes. And that kind of planted the seed. And so Kamisha is pretty much responsible for a reason <laughs> we adopted. But I just think it's so interesting, you know, the fact that God had been preparing me, even as a 17-year-old, for an interracial family. Kamisha's taught me a lot about what it means to be a black woman and how, what I need to be aware of in raising these kids. And it's just, God is faithful. He provides what you need. Um, and so I think we're running out of time. Yeah. But there, I could go on and on about God's faithful answers to prayer. But um, I just wanted to mention really quick the, the Ministry of Freedom Prayer that Otter Creek has been involved in. Scott and I signed up not really knowing what we're getting involved in. And it has been such a beautiful <coughs> ministry. It really teaches you how to pray with two or three are gathered together, and that's opened up a whole new aspect to prayer for me, um, to pray with other people. It's really powerful. So I encourage you, if, if you have, if you want to go closer in prayer, to sign up for a prayer, freedom prayer session. It's a wonderful way to, um, to get closer to the Lord with other people in a corporate setting. And, and we've done that together. It's been a really fun ministry to do together. Um, but basically... Our story, our prayer since our marriage is that God would be glorified, and, and he has been, and he will continue to be. See, our, our children, our families, is an example of exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could hope or imagine. I mean, I couldn't make this up. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just beautiful how he did that, and so I can trust him with their future, and, and it's all for his glory. And this cancer story, my prayer is that he will use it for his glory and that he will be glorified. This is about him, and he's got this. I don't think he wants me to have cancer. I don't think he caused it, but he can use it for his glory, and that's our prayer, um, and he's got this. And I would just say um, you are a part of the exceedingly abundantly yeah. more than we could have asked or imagined. The move back to Nashville for Catherine was not an easy one. Um, it wasn't without, without its challenges. Um, transplanting to the south from the west coast uh, was hard and, and feeling like she's getting a, becoming a part of the community. Um, after a year and a half or so, things started to get a little bit easier and Otter Creek played a big role yeah. in that. Um, and then when the diagnosis came, the way that you have walked beside us for three and that, a half years. The way that your faithful prayers um, have helped us to see, like we, look, we can look back and see all of these complications. It seems like there's always something new. It's like, but remember, that's, a, that's just another evidence of like, we're not praying for this last thing, right? That's taken care of. And so we just pray about what's in front of us. And there's so many of you guys who have, who have walked with us and encouraged us and blessed us financially and uh, just so many gifts that you have, have given us in, in our spirit. Um, so never underestimate that. Um, part of the reason that we are being um, we're helping to glorify God is through what you are doing and helping to support and strengthen and encourage us. And uh, that, that ministry of prayer is, uh, there's not a medical reason for a lot of the things, uh, the turnarounds. And so we just keep praying that um, 
only he can get the glory for what's happening medically. Um, but within our families, there's so many ways in which we are able to reach out to our community and shine the light for the Lord. And we thank you for blessing us. Um, and yeah. so um, maybe we'll just quickly close with a prayer. But thank you for allowing us to, to reflect on you know, the earlier chapters of our life. Um, it has been a blessing for us as well. Father God, we're so grateful um, for this, uh, the precious lives that are assembled in this room uh, and the fact that you have faithfully walked with, with each person here. Father, I pray that you would give each of us eyes to see your hand as we look back over the years. May we learn to attribute um, blessing to you for those things that have happened, be them uh, chapters that we would have written or, or, or things that we wish that hadn't happened. Father, we know that ultimately you can take all things and work them to your glory. And Father, we pray now that you will just strengthen each of us in our faith, help us each one to, to see your hand and to, to be able to live that um, exceedingly abundantly full life that you've intended. Lord, we are grateful for this time together, and we pray your blessings on all here. In Christ Jesus we ask. Amen. Amen.